Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s. Now, before we get into this week's episode, Caitlin, let's share a review that was left by a listener. Um, and it was quite interesting. Do you want to read it or shall I? Can you read it without laughing is the biggest question. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we have a review from Mountain That Rides. Extremely entertaining. Set the audio speed to 0.5 times and it sounds like a drunken conversation about OTH. It was a five-star review, and honestly, that's all we need at the end of the time. <laughs> yeah, it was five stars, so <laughs> we like it. So, we didn't know if they were making fun of us or what, but um, Mountain Up Rides, I hope you are listening to this at 1.5 or, or 0.5, what, at 0.5x or whatever, Yep. <laughs> and you're enjoying this and enjoying all these drunken conversations, but... Yes, and while we're at it, uh, thank you so much for leaving us that five-star review. As a reminder, that's the easiest way to support us. It helps other One Tree Hill fans find us. So leave us a review. Tell your friends about the show. It just helps us grow even more and more, and we just really appreciate the support. We love reading the reviews to hear what people have to say about our podcast, and it also like helps other listeners find us because of Apple's... <laughs> What do you want to call it? Algorithm? Algorithm or whatever. (laughs) But yes, yeah, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, you can also leave reviews as well. So you can if you Yeah, you apparently can now. I don't know like how much that affects the algorithm or whatnot, but if you left us an Apple review, feel free to leave us a review on Spotify as well. Any and all reviews, basically. <laughs> Leave us a review everywhere. We will definitely, we would love to read it on the show, and we just can't thank you enough. But anyway, enough about patting ourselves on the back. This week, we are discussing A Multitude of Casualties, the fifth episode of season three, which was written by R. Lee Fleming Jr., directed by Thomas J. Wright, and originally aired on the WB on November 2nd, 2005. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is a place where everything's better and everything's safe. Nathan tells Haley that what happened the other night at the masquerade party was not a big deal, and Haley is clearly hurt by this. Chris shows up at Tree Hill and asks Haley to record with him again. She says no, and then Chris reports back to Nathan. Nathan tells Haley that he thinks she should record with Chris, because then he will know if he can actually trust her again. Brooke and Peyton conduct cheerleader tryouts and struggle to find someone until Rachel, previously known as Pamela Anderson, walks in and does a killer routine. But Brooke doesn't want to admit Rachel's good because she's jealous that Rachel danced with Lucas at the party. And then to make matters worse, Brooke mistakenly suggests to Lucas that he should ask Rachel out on a date. Lucas does what Brooke asks, but later admits to Rachel that the only reason he asked her out is to make Brooke jealous. However, Rachel says she's okay with that. Lucas and Rachel then go to the mall and stop to see Brooke at suburban filth. Rachel asks for lingerie, and fat shames Brooke in order to irritate her. Now desperate, Brooke asks Haley to be on the cheer squad so that Rachel doesn't have to be. 
Peyton runs into Ellie, and they end up hanging out. But that doesn't last long, because Peyton sees an article that Ellie wrote about her with accompanying artwork. Peyton becomes upset by this because Ellie had previously claimed that she wasn't artistic. Later, Ellie tears up the article in front of Peyton and tells her that her trust is more important. In other news, Whitey makes Nathan captain of the basketball team. Mal holds tryouts for a basketball announcer, and the only person who shows up is Gigi, who turns out to be a bit awkward. Deb and Dan continue their antics. Deb walks into one of Dan's meetings wearing sexy lingerie and drinking a cocktail. In response, Dan puts Deb's toothbrush in a dog's mouth and butt and documents the whole thing to later show Deb as she's brushing her teeth. <laughs> this is just too much. <laughs> you said that in such a professional tone. <laughs> and I love it. I'll keep this whole exchange in. Anyhow. And it's finally the Midnight Madness pep rally to celebrate the very first basketball game of the season. And of course, Dan uses this occasion to campaign for mayor. But Karen decides to run for mayor as well, and Whitey publicly endorses her. Go, Karen! Row, row, row your vote! Woo! Right before the game, Haley shows up in the cheerleading uniform, so Brooke tries to kick Rachel off the team. But this plan fails because the rest of the cheer squad really likes Rachel. As the basketball team is about to be introduced, Lucas confronts Nathan about his treatment of Haley and tells him that he's just like Dan. They break out into a fight, which gets the rest of the team involved. The cheer squad gets into a cat fight too because of tension between Brooke and Rachel. As a result of the fight, Whitey makes Lucas and Nathan co-captains, forcing them to work together. Brooke tells Lucas that what she really wanted was for him to fight for her. Peyton reads Ellie's article and goes to visit her, but Ellie's not there, and we see her getting an MRI. And Haley goes to work with Chris again. Purchasing my sexy lingerie from Slut Barn, I am Jeremy Rodriguez. And opening up a brand new toothbrush, I'm Caitlin Illinich. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice little callback. Honestly, oh. this this um episode made me makes me want to change my toothbrush. <laughs> Just because it's so gross. <laughs> Are you afraid of like what was done with it? Like, God, where has this been? Where has this secretly been? <laughs> now I'm paranoid. <laughs> I've recently changed my toothbrush, and I gotta say, like, when you change a new, when you change a toothbrush, don't you just feel like a new person? Uh-huh. Yep. Like I don't know, you just feel like you could like uh, conquer the world. You're like, look at me, I'm brushing my teeth with like a new toothbrush. Yeah, you're extra clean. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? I completely support your decision to change your toothbrush, and listeners at home, like, do the same and tell us about your experiences at our Discord. <laughs> We'll have a special uh, Patreon-specific channel um, called uh, New Toothbrushes. <laughs> and we just share photos of our new toothbrushes. This sounds so lame. <laughs> this is a very, very niche channel, and I feel like you know our listeners will really respond to this, Caitlin. Thank you very much. It's good content. <laughs> 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 Anywho, um, this episode is titled after the song by The Hold Steady. And um, Caitlin, I know you didn't have much to say about this in our little pre-show discussion, but uh, do you want to, what, what, what did you think? 
So I find the title of the song interesting, A Multitude of Casualties, because I feel like this episode, I mean, there are literal fights, so there were casualties. People who were hit, punched, all of it. There were several, several bitch slaps. Like, <laughs> there was a lot. <laughs> um, and just like verbal arguments, too. So I feel like the title really relates to what happened, because there was a lot of fallout. I think that we are yet to see in the upcoming episodes, but yeah, I don't have much to say about the lyrics of the song. I, the only observation that I had, it felt like what the lyrics were saying, basically do what you want, no matter the consequences or quote unquote casualties. That was kind of the impression that I got. Okay. And do you think that, uh, do you think that connects to the episode or? That overall theme, or maybe I feel like it was a little forced, probably. But okay, <laughs> I think people react in this episode and don't really think about the consequences or what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. So, in that way, it relates. What are your thoughts? Well, as far as the lyrics are concerned, for one, that I do agree with you 100% on the title. I think the title definitely connects, which seems to be like a running theme with our song discussion lately. Yeah. Um, but I, and again, this is me reaching hardcore, which I tend to do a lot with these song lyrics sometimes. Um, but I think this song uh, applies to Brooke and Lucas. And I think it's just about, like, the miscommunication they, they've been experiencing in their relationship. Um, the lyric that sticks out to me in regard to that is, While she was at the Citadel, he was getting high as hell. When she came to in the matinee, she was asking around for someplace else to stay. And that just illustrates the fact that the two of them are on different wavelengths, essentially. And then when Brooke finally does communicate, um, and this lyric comes later on the song, the lyric is, while he was down in Lower Town, she was feeling out the 530 folk mass, and the night that she got bored again, he was getting with her little hood rat friends, and see, like, what happens by the end of the episode, like, Lucas is getting with somebody else, and now Brooke has essentially lost out on him, in a way. Whether or not she'll get him in the end, we will hopefully find out. That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. But that's how I related to it, even if it is a little bit reaching. Yeah. I think, like, just looking at that first, the very beginning of the song, from what I said before, she drove it like she stole it. She stole it fast and with a multitude of casualties. And it continues to go on. And that just kind of made me think, like, kind of doing things in a rash way, not really thinking of what's going to happen next or what those consequences (laughs) are going to be. So that's where I kind of got that idea. Yeah. And... We shall see what these consequences are. I know. There's going to be a lot of them. But yeah, so let's get into the very beginning of this episode when we see the Midnight Madness of Pepper Alley. And we see Lucas and Nathan are having this little bit of a fight. And Lucas says, you're just like Dan. And Nathan's like, oh no! And then he punches Lucas out. And then we see Dan on the microphone. He says, let the madness begin. But that wasn't the madness he intended because the fight breaks out. <laughs> I actually really like the way this episode opens. It <laughs> There's a level of excitement. And like you kind of just are, you're jumping into this conversation with Lucas and Nathan. Mm-hmm. 
Like, you're in the middle of it. Like, Lucas is confronting Nathan, but, like, you're kind of just thrown into it. And then it the argument heats up, and then it just turns into this fight. And we have Dan, who is just ridiculous, <laughs> announcing. <laughs> like, why in the world is he the announcer? Oh, I hate it so much. Because he played high school ball, Caitlin, mm-hmm. okay? How dare you insult him? <laughs> Just go away, Dan. Please. <laughs> <laughs> he played high school ball. Like, he's a big pillar of the community, okay? We know this because, as as we know from our experience, like, we remember these high school basketball games very vividly, okay? And... You have deep connections to, like, every player from the basketball teams back in the day, right? And they have his jersey at the end. We'll get to that later, but... (laughs) If this is your first episode, just know that this is, like, a hardcore joke. (laughs) Because... We always talk about how, like, everybody seems to, like, have these formative experiences watching Dan play a high school basketball game, and... Caitlin and I, we just don't get it, okay? We don't. No, we don't. <laughs> but here it is. Again and again. <laughs> We're in season three. <laughs> oh my gosh. But super exciting start to the episode, I thought. And then you get the two days earlier. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of, like, Sunset Boulevard-esque beginnings for episodes. And also, too, like, I like how, like, by the end of the episode, there's still, like, a little twist thrown in, because you don't see anything about the Brooke and Rachel cat fight. Yeah. So when you do get to the end, it's like, oh, there's something fresh that we don't know about. Cool. <laughs> Let's, you know, dive into this. Yeah, we get to see more. Like, we get the repeat, but then we get to see a lot more, too. Exactly. And we'll get into, like, all that fun stuff a little bit later but yes as you were saying two days earlier and everything seems nice and calm mouth has posted flyers for announcer tryouts and he's doing it two days before the midnight madness games now he's decided to get a co-host i don't know i don't know if that's a good idea like two days before the events yeah that's probably not the best idea (laughs) same thing with the cheer tryouts as well like they get a new they get a new squad member two days oh my god you're right you are so right i didn't even think of that that's ridiculous there would have been much more attention to timelines nowadays so cheer tryouts realistically would have happened like before the school year started i'm sure I would imagine, yeah. That doesn't make any sense, and I had didn't even think of it. Unless they had, like, an emergency tryout or something. They only had one spot to fill. Like, maybe they just needed somebody to fill it at the last minute. But, but even that, wouldn't you have, like, alternates or, like, or understudies? I, I don't it's not called an understudy for cheerleading, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, maybe there are alternates. I would hope, but I don't know. Huh. These are questions I don't have the answers to. So I'm just saying, like, this this really isn't a smart system they have going, but uh, whatever. Um, speaking of uh, smart systems, I, I don't know how that connects to Chris Keller at all, but I'm just going to roll with it. Um, let's roll into everything that happens with Chris Keller. <laughs> that was really bad. <laughs> Thank you. That was, I think, your worst transition ever. Everybody should, you know, I, I sometimes wish we could, like, record this on video because, like, Caitlin's, like, you know, face was, like, the biggest death stare. And honestly, I feel scared right now. <laughs> I just feel the sense of disapproval. And now I feel like I need to, like, you know, wow you for the rest of the episode. And I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll do better, Caitlin. I promise you. Oh. Um. <laughs> Oh my god. 
Anyway. <laughs> so we see Nathan. And first off, we see Nathan and Haley having a conversation about like what happened the other night. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously, there's different perspectives on whether like Haley was like it was a big deal. But Nathan said it wasn't a big deal. And that kind of is setting the tone here between them. I feel like that's important to bring up as we're going to talk about Chris. Yes. So there's some kind of mis- miscommunication here because previously we, we saw that Haley was really happy about this kiss, but Nathan really isn't acknowledging it. We're also now wondering, was Chris the one who kissed Haley because he had the Batman suit at the end of 304? So that's a whole Correct. other conflict <laughs> that's going mm-hmm. on. Now, Chris is in the picture. He's suddenly back in Tree Hill and he approaches Haley at the record store. Also, Chris Keller has an album. Can we talk about that? Like, he's literally been, like, a musician for, what, six months? And he has, like, he has an album. Like, I feel like he's been a musician longer than that, though. I feel like you're supposed to believe that he was a musician before he met Haley in season two. And then he worked at a record store, I guess, to just, like, as, like, a side job, maybe? Who knows? Okay. All right. I'll I'll buy into that. Anyway, keep going with what you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) So Chris and Haley, they run into each other at the record store, and Haley says no when Chris asks her if she'd like to record again. (laughs) She's like, no, (laughs) that's not happening. And then we see Chris report back to Nathan, and I'm like, this is so bizarre. This is a bizarre world right now if you're comparing it from season two to three. Like, Nathan and Chris are working together. Right. It's so wild. And basically, Nathan was like, well, try harder to, to get Haley to, to do it. I'm like, oh, wow. He's really desperate. Yeah. And I really got to question some of Nathan's motives here. I know we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. But why? Is, is he doing this as a test? Because honestly, that's like that's such a fucking mind game. And I think that's toxic. And you probably shouldn't do that if you're trying to get back together with your wife. If that's what Nathan's trying to do. I know, because we see... So basically, Nathan then confronts Haley and's like, he doesn't actually say to her, I was the one who brought Chris in town. He doesn't yeah. tell her that. She doesn't know that. But Yeah, he, he is says, keeping that close to the vest right now. Yeah, Haley's like, why is Nathan being so weird? He must know that Chris is in town. So then she brings it up to him, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. And then he just says, I think you should work with him. And he is pretty honest... In that this is a test. I think he's pretty honest with that. Like, this is mm-hmm. a test of your your loyalty. Can he trust yeah. her? If she has the same feelings for Chris again, then he has his answer. Yeah, but he is also telling Chris, behind Haley's back, essentially, that he thinks that music was such an important part of Haley, mm-hmm. and she should be missing out on that. So I guess, like, I mean, two things can be true at the same time. He could be doing this as, like, a mind game, trying to guess, like, ooh, can I trust her? But he also wants to make sure that Haley's, like, star shines bright without him around. Yeah, I get the sense that he really does care about her music. I I really do get that sense. But at the same time, this is definitely a test. So you're right. It's, like, two things at the same time. It's kind of screwed up. Like... It's nice that he wants her to succeed and to do do something that she loves, 
because she's kind of stuck right now, right? She She's not writing songs. She's not, like, inspired, right? She hasn't been making any new music. That's what we've seen, her struggling with a guitar and Brooke singing in the background. <laughs> that was the previous episode. But <laughs> yes. <laughs> so funny. For he's a yeah. jolly good fellow. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, overall, it's really nice what Nathan, I think it's nice what he's trying to do on some level. It's nice. (laughs) On some level. Yes, exactly. Yeah. He wants Haley to, like, uh, perform good music. You know, music that's not ska covers of Neil Diamond songs. (laughs) Particularly, which, uh... You know, speaking of which, let's roll right into talking about some of the stuff that between that happens between Ellie and Peyton. That was a good segue. You've redeemed yourself. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. <laughs> the next one will be terrible, probably, and I'll just like you know balance it out every now and then. <laughs> I honestly think they were thinking about that whole segue this entire conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally thinking like music. I can I, I can I can dive into this after this. I can do this. <laughs> Anyhow, I think it's cute that Ellie and Peyton just kind of ran into each other and had this like I don't know. It was just like a spontaneous hangout where they I don't know. We're able to connect over the silly music that they were listening to. <laughs> I thought that exactly. was cute. I like how that happened. Because their storyline has been so serious. So it was nice to see kind of like a light moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were just like, they just met up and then she says, oh, there's somebody uh, at lunch playing ska covers of Neil Diamond songs. Peyton's like, that sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I thought so too. Do you want to go? Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Which sometimes that's a lot of fun to do. Like, have you ever like, you know, knew that something was going to be terrible and you're just saying like, hey, do you want to go? You know, I don't know if I have. I'd have to really think about that. Probably. Wait, I mean, I can think of one. I can think of one thing. Our high school reunion. <laughs> <laughs> it ended up being fun, though. It was, yeah, it was, it was so much fun. It was fun, like, the people that we did get to talk to, it was so amazing. But when you think about it, though, like, the two of us are like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you think about it, like, we paid money to see people that we don't necessarily want to see. <laughs> <laughs> really, that's what it was. But when we did end up talking to people, it was now just just to clarify, if, if anybody that we did talk to that night is listening to this, we did enjoy talking to you. <laughs> oh yeah, the people that I actually did talk to, everything was great and it was fun. <laughs> but there were so many people that we just like fucking ignored. <laughs> <laughs> yup. We're like, I don't want to see you. <laughs> it was an experience and I do not regret it. Yeah, not at all. I'm glad I'm glad it happened. I'm glad we did it. And thank you. You know, <laughs> this is a major side tangent. Thank you for yep. going with me because <laughs> all of my other friends are jerks. <laughs> I repeat, all of my other friends, if you're listening to this, you are a jerk. <laughs> Kaylin is calling you out. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> yeah, I'm holding that grudge for a long time. <laughs> for you life. should. You should. I and can't you know what? They didn't go. We did have a lot of fun, okay? And, like, you know, if you want, you could have saw me dancing drunkenly to Britney Spears. I'm just saying. I have some videos. It's great. I know. And I have yet to watch any of them because I am terrified. <laughs> <laughs> good times, good times. Yes. So. Ellie and Peyton go back to Ellie's motel room, and 
we find out that Ellie was conceived at Woodstock, which I find very, very endearing and on brand for her. <laughs> yeah, it is on brand. And apparently her parents are like hardcore hippies. And um and I know Hillary mentioned this in the Drama Queens episode, but like I one hundred percent agree with this. Like I feel like it would have been so cool if Peyton like asked more questions about her those are her grandparents, you know? Yeah, that would have been interesting to hear like an actual story from Ellie. I totally agree. Unfortunately, this whole encounter turns takes a turn <laughs> rather uh-huh. quickly. Um Peyton goes back to Ellie's hotel room that she's staying in and sees the article that Ellie has written about Peyton with artwork, the angel artwork, which was inspired by Peyton's costume in the Halloween or the masquerade episode. So (laughs) it was basically the Halloween episode. (laughs) (laughs) Now, at the end of 304, we saw Ellie with drawing the art. So we knew this as an audience, we knew this existed. But we didn't know, or Peyton didn't know this. So she saw this, was taken by surprise, because Ellie had claimed, like, oh, no, you got all your artistic skills from your mother, mm-hmm. not me. But in reality, I guess, I mean, I guess you could say Peyton got it from both. Yeah, her mother could have nurtured her artwork. Exactly you know? what I was going to say. Like, Ellie, okay, she has the DNA... Peyton has her DNA, so, okay, so there's a natural ability there. Maybe that was inherited. But Peyton also could get inspiration from her adopted mom. So I feel like, I get that Peyton's upset because Ellie did lie. But I don't think she has to think of it like she got that totally from Ellie. Right. And I understand why Ellie lied as well, though. Mm -hmm. Because... I feel like she didn't want to confuse Peyton's grief anymore, you know? Because Peyton even said, like, God, if you tell me that you draw, too, I'll get even more sad. So that's probably why Ellie, like, held back a little bit in the last episode. But here now, Peyton knows the truth. So Peyton storms off, but then Ellie visits uh, Peyton at her house, and a conversation ensues, and Caitlin and I are about to perform a dramatic reading. Oh, boy. (laughs) Who do you want to be, Peyton or Ellie? I'll be Ellie, because I think you'll be a better Peyton. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all. I'll be be, an emo teenager. Let's do this. I'm a writer, Peyton. It's a big part of my life. But I never meant to hurt you. And the fact that you even think that... You want to know what I think? I think you're just a lion junkie who probably doesn't even have cancer. Oh, I see. So this relationship that we have, if, if you can call it that... You can use it for your podcasts and your drawings, but I can't write about it. Just get out, Ellie. Out of my house, out of my town, and out of my life. Okay. I will. But know this, Peyton. Your trust was always more important to me than any article. You may not believe that, but it's the truth. And this is when Ellie rips up the artwork and throws it in Peyton's wastebasket. And it's so sad. Yeah, this is tough. Uh, but speaking of uh, throwing things in the trash, uh, this is what Deb is trying to do with her marriage with Dan, <laughs> trying to throw it in the trash. I love Deb. <laughs> I freaking <laughs> yes. love Deb in the sexy lingerie. <laughs> she is amazing. She is an icon. I love her. <laughs> she is the moment. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's such a yeah. It's just such a mood. She, she walks. She walks in. Dan's having this big meeting, and then she's like, "Oh, hello. Um, can you see my ass a bit?" She's smoking a cigarette. Like has a little cocktail. She says, "It's twelve p.m. somewhere, right?" <laughs> Girl. I love you. <laughs> it's so good. Like, give me more of this, Deb. I love it. Oh, <laughs> uh, Barbara Woods looks good, too. I just gotta say. Yeah. Like, like, I'm hardcore girl crushing on her because... <laughs> she can rock it. Rock what you got. <laughs> she does. <laughs> but then uh, Diana ends up owning her later by showing Deb's toothbrush and he says oh here's me cleaning the tires here's me cleaning the dog's mouth here's a toothbrush up the dog's ass and I'm like Ugh. which is kind of weird like the fact that Dan had a toothbrush and was sticking it up a dog's ass like I get he was doing it for Deb but why are you doing kinda... that to a dog <laughs> yeah exactly I'm thinking about the dog here it's like abuse <laughs> it is yeah like Ugh. I wonder if I this is probably an episode PETA would probably uh, mm-hmm. protest. <laughs> I want to throw up for Deb. I think yeah. if someone did that to me, I honestly would have been throwing up. Yes. Oh, God, that's so disgusting. Like, she did something that honestly was funny, and I get that it's, like, ruining Dan's reputation because she's the his wife or whatever, but he just took it another step too far, as mm-hmm. always. Oh, but say, go back to that meeting real quickly that Dan was having with, like, other people. Um, We got to know a little bit more about his uh, politics, quote-unquote. He wants to return to traditional values. Wonder what that means. (coughs) Conservative. (coughs) (laughs) He also says, safer streets, better schools, and a a neighborhood watch program. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you were pro-police. Got it. Okay, Dan, got you. Um, Although he did say he wants a new and improved mass transit system, and I feel like that's pretty cool, and that's very, very liberal of him, and that's good. (laughs) I didn't pay attention to anything that he said because I think I was so distracted by Deb. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't believe you caught all that. Yes, I did. A mass transit system? Really? Yes, he... He wants a new and improved mass transit <laughs> system, and I'm like, I am 100% for that. I'm like, okay, like, this is something I would vote for Dan Scott for. All the other shit, I'm like, what does that mean, return to traditional values? Like, you know what that ugh. means. You know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if we were wondering who he represents in our current <laughs> world, <laughs> we were wondering that before. It has been confirmed. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah pretty pretty much um but it seems like he has some competition against him right now because karen is running for mayor honestly this is amazing mm-hmm. and i love when whitey uh when whitey first announces that he says i'm sure he's gonna get a bunch of votes just not mine <laughs> <laughs> and then he publicly endorses karen I'm like, damn, like, Whitey, you are so fucking petty, and I am here for it. (laughs) I love Whitey. I I really do. That was kind of an epic scene, like, in the gym when Karen goes up to Whitey and she whispers, like, what she's about to do, basically. (laughs) Yeah. And then Whitey just runs with it, and it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. It is so good. And I wonder, did Karen, like, Karen thought this through? Like, did she just do this spontaneous? Like, if she did, I'm like, you know, you you go, girl. Just, you know, hope you have a plan. Or 
Who does Karen represents? <laughs> I'm going to say Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> how, did you, how did you know? Because <laughs> I knew. <laughs> I feel like she was like, she had a plan. Like She had a plan to like own it. That was Elizabeth Warren's big platform. She had a plan. Yeah, see, Elizabeth <laughs> and Karen both have their shit together. <laughs> yes. And that basically sums it up. <laughs> Oh, hell yeah. Okay. And I hope Karen comes up with some better slogans than Dan does, or that Dan <laughs> did, because did you see his pin? That, what was it? I think it said, give a damn, or give a Dan, meaning well, give I a damn. That. No way. Uh-huh. Are you serious? Yes. Oh my and God. And then I think there was another one. I can't remember what it was. Give a damn. I love it or if I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I missed this one. You got to show it to me. Yeah. I'll <laughs> Screenshot <turn>. it. <laughs> and I feel like maybe he said something else or there was a flyer or something. Crap. I can't remember what it was. Oh, well. I'm <laughs> sure we'll see it again. Give it Dan. Oh, my God. Anywho. <laughs> but let's transition over into these announcer tryouts. That mouth host that nobody shows up for, except for one girl named Gigi. She looks like such a baby. She literally is, because the actress, uh, Kelsey Asbill, I, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name correctly, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing it wrong, but uh, she was only 14 at the time this was being filmed. That is so wild. Yeah. Why would they hire a 14-year-old when they have the rest of the cast in their 20s? I find that so interesting. But yeah, obviously she didn't have like to, you know, like the whole child labor laws and whatnot. Like she was only, I mean, let's let's face it, she was potential. She was pretty much a day player. She didn't have many hours on set, no. so they probably could have gotten away with casting somebody who was a little bit younger. I guess. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But, but still, yeah, she's she's cute. She's she's quiet. <laughs> yeah. So Gigi's the only one. Who shows up to the tryouts? So, math doesn't even have a, doesn't even have a choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gigi, like at the actual game, Gigi is there with Math, and she's just super super awkward. <laughs> Do you remember what she says exactly? She was just talking she about says, how hot the guys were. Y- y- she she was seeing the fight, and she says like, "This is kind of turning me on." <laughs> That's what it was. <laughs> okay. Which, I don't know, I have thoughts about... 14-year-olds can be sexual beings, I know. Um, but, I don't know, just the fact that they wrote this for a 14-year-old to say, it yeah, gives that's me creepy. kind of gross feelings that, <laughs> that I don't know how to quite unpack. It wasn't a, also wasn't an appropriate thing to say when you're announcing for a basketball game. <laughs> that too, Yes. <laughs> So there's that. <sighs> but that's what essentially wakes her up, her being like, you know, all like, oh my god, this is hot. Do you think she was just talking about the boys, though? Because I think she could have been talking about the girls, too. Maybe. We'll, we'll get some bisexual representation, because we don't have it anymore on this show. <laughs> no, we don't. Actually, I mean, you know, actually, I'm, who am I kidding? Like, we've had, we have Karen and Zeb. Like, oh, duh. We've had duh. bisexual representation for the entire series. Yeah, okay. And remember... This is the place where everything's better and everything's safe. Y- yes. If you notice in this episode, in the cafe kitchen, Deb and Karen 
are standing there talking about Dan running for mayor. And you will see, if you notice really closely, it'll have that quote. It's on the cafe. And that's the first time that I ever recall seeing that quote. Yes. But we do. We also saw it at uh, 304, but I think it's a different location. So I guess maybe they just switch it around. <laughs> yeah, now I'm really curious because I missed it in 304. I just went to the screen grab where you, that you said to me, yeah. But it just says where everything's better and everything's safe. It's not even the whole thing. Yeah, quote. it's not the whole thing. So, it's interesting. For sure, for sure. Do you want to go and uh, try out for cheerleading? Do you? <laughs> I mean, I transferred from Los Angeles. Your school has no gymnastics team. This is a last resort. I don't know why. I just immediately thought of that. <laughs> what is that from? <laughs> Bring it on! I'm really ready to talk about Rachel, though. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But first, we uh, we get some tryouts from some other girls and guys in the cheerleading squad, or non-binary people and whatnot, and people are kind of awkward. But then, did you notice there's, like, there's one girl, we don't get to see her talents at all, but she raises up her arm and it turns out, oh, she has a hairy armpit, and then that's what turns some away from her. I'm like, we don't see anything else about like how good she is we just say oh hairy armpit and then Peyton's like oh no we can't have that yeah I guess they're basing it off of looks which is not cool exactly (sighs) so I would have liked to have seen the girls the rest of the girls audition maybe she was great and she just happened off a hairy armpit like who gives a fuck it's amazing to me that there was only there were no options like no one was good (laughs) except Rachel it's wild. Exactly. Who comes in at the uh, the end of the tryouts, and here is Rachel. A fabulous oh, redhead. So... My favorite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Representation. Honestly, I've been waiting for it this whole time. <laughs> oh, but yes, we, we got to meet Rachel as Pamela Anderson 304. She didn't get much to do. And here she is. She's getting some stuff to do. A whole cheer routine. Yes! That, to, uh, oh boy, that's quite a <laughs> entrance to the show. Because, like, this mm-hmm. is truly, like, her first big scene. Yeah, exactly. That's why I always forget that her first introduction is the masquerade ball. Because, like, I just, I don't know, I just never really think about her. But this is her episode, and, you know, for the people who are watching the spoiler-free, yeah, Rachel sticks around for a little bit. <laughs> That she does. And she is iconic. And yeah, she does this like little um sexual dance routine to a song called Play by David Banner. And um, you know the actual song. Oh, I know. I heard so, it. <laughs> I didn't want to hear it, but I heard it. I'm like, oh gosh. Oh gosh. The song that we see here on One Tree Hill is hardcore censored, but the uh, <laughs> the lyrics for the uncensored version, because we are an uncensored podcast for adults. Oh God, you don't say it. The lyrics are, like, I'm not even going to read, like, not even just the chorus, but, like, most of the lyrics in general are so fucking weird, Caitlin. Like, get ready for them, okay? <laughs> if you're under 18, cover your ears. Uh, the lyrics are, come girl, I'm trying to get your pussy wet. Work that. Let me see you drip sweat. Blah, blah, blahs. Repeat, repeat. God play with it. God play with it. Ah, God play with it. Ah, work that clit. Come, girl. And that's not even the most alarmed lyric. The lyrics that come up, come up later are licky, licky, licky like a peppermint swirl. Lick that clit. Come, girl. 
catch it in your mouth like your last name Moss. What does that even mean? I don't... (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Honestly, when you think about it, it's such a demeaning... Like, okay, let's keep it real for a second. Danielle (laughs) Ackles, she looks hot in this scene. There's no, absolutely no denying that. Uh And I think that was the whole point is she's supposed to come in and be this like sex icon, I guess, (laughs) if you want to call it that, in order to make Brooke jealous. Like she's supposed to come in and like wow the audience. That's the whole point of the scene. But the song... If you're starting to look at the lyrics like we just did, and you really think about it, this is the first scene on a teenage soap for a character. It's a little demeaning. It's a lot demeaning, Mm -hmm. actually. For sure. And on the podcast, the Drama Queens podcast, they say how, like, Daniil was so professional. She did the scene and didn't complain about it. Like, she was just super professional. Because she was was probably just doing her job at that point. Well, that's what she wants to do. She wants to do her job, you know? I don't know. It kind of makes me feel icky, like, looking back to it. Yeah, especially knowing what we know now about, like, what went on behind behind the scenes with this actress. It's very gross. So. Yeah. But she does kill it at these auditions, regardless. Yeah, I mean, we can feel two things at once. Like, she kills it, (laughs) she's hot, but at the same time, like really one tree hill creator like really you had to do this yeah like this was your choice yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if it was like 100 percent him because i mean obviously there's team music supervisors and whatnot but there was definitely like a it, again who knows we don't know um i feel like this has weird. him written all over it but on a cute note, though, like the for the deleted scenes for this, uh, Danielle was talking about how um, she was apparently looking at Sophia and Hillary during the number, and she just mouths it up. She says, "I'm making this up <laughs> because she didn't remember like all the dance moves." <laughs> yeah, she said she like hardly got any time to learn the routine. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that's endearing. It's a long routine too, and it's a solo thing. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, wow. So she's having, like, this sort of conflict right now with Brooke that's very interesting. And I definitely want to know that in the last episode, like, you know, Rachel did essentially ask, like, oh, is, you know, is this your boyfriend? And then this episode, she's also asking, like, oh, that, that guy wasn't your boyfriend, was he? And it's and it's Brooke who's sort of, like, egging on the entire situation. So just want to hold Brooke accountable for it. Granted, Rachel is, you know... She's finding joy out of seeing Brooke uncomfortable in this whole thing. But. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, okay. I'm annoyed with Brooke because she is just making things worse. She mm-hmm. truly, truly is doing this to herself. But then, you know, I'm kind of annoyed with Rachel because, yeah, she is enjoying seeing Brooke squirm. And the whole scene in Suburban Filth when Lucas and Rachel go to see Brooke. Mm. That drives me crazy because she's basically calling Brooke fat, which they call this out in the Drama Queens podcast. Yeah. And I actually, I've always thought how this is a recurring thing. I feel like there's been comments even previous to this, but there definitely will be more coming later, too. Yeah. And it's just really, really wrong. And I've always thought this because I'm like, you're making fat jokes? About Sophia? 
Like, yes. We're going to that level and making comments about someone who is clearly thin. Then what message is that sending? Like, then what is what is thin if that's not thin? Exactly. It's getting make, pushing people to like unrealistic body standards. It's outright toxic and very, very harmful. Um, and this will not fly today. No. It's, like, and, and I feel like some people would defend this by saying, like, oh, Rachel is a bully. Rachel's supposed to be evil. And yes, that is 100% true. I can see that. But it's not like we ever see these comments. These comments are never seen as a problem. No. Whereas, like, you know, there's some other stuff that Rachel does throughout the series that does get called out. And she's and we're like, oh, she's evil. But, like, we never get to... She never gets held accountable for these, like, microaggressions. Not even microaggressions, or macroaggressions, I feel like. Like, you know, fat shaming and everything like that. She's never held accountable for that stuff. And I feel like that's the big thing. Like, characters should be held accountable for stuff like this. They should be held accountable for everything. And Rachel just is not. Yeah, it's it's cringeworthy. But we do love Rachel. <laughs> yeah, no, really I, do. you know, I'm not even blaming the character because it's obviously, it's never really the character's fault because it's the writers. <laughs> and yes. the fact that, like, you have to think, they were writing for a specific audience, teenagers. That is what this show is for, or was for, you know? And... It's just amazing to me that even in 2005, like, no one said anything. That was never sending a good message, ever. Mm-hmm. And I know we're a bit, our society's a bit more aware, but wow, like, no one thought to question that. Right. All. It got through and on screen, and it happened multiple times. And there's worse stuff to come with these two. I mean, think about it too, like, we were part of the problem too, because, like, we heard this. I mean, we heard this stuff back then, like, it, it was just, like, part of society, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is, this is a thing. Like, oh, being fat, that is wrong. Oh. No. And it, it's no wonder why, like, you know, people our age are, like, really, really, like, fucked up <laughs> now. <laughs> because, like, you know, we heard stuff like this, and we just, like, really internalized it. Yeah. And I think there was just such a standard with women in particular. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's... It's, ugh, I hate it so much. Yes. Anywho, do you have anything more to say about this? Um, no. Do you want to talk a little bit more about Lucas and uh, Rachel dating Lucas and this really bad uh, ethical non-monogamy representation that we're having right here? <laughs> I know. So I can't believe, well, of course, because it's a teen drama that Brooke has to point at Rachel, even though she wasn't meaning to point at Rachel. <laughs> At the same time that Lucas looks over and Rachel comes into view, so the person she was originally pointing to was not even noticed. Why doesn't Brooke just clarify? Oh, I didn't mean her, I meant her. <laughs> why, why didn't she just say that? I think she was in too deep. I don't know. <laughs> and, like, she's still going on with all this, because, like, the conversation leading up to her pointing to the girl, she's like... I dated someone or whatever. I I can She said I kissed a guy. Yeah. I kissed a guy. You kissed yeah. a girl. I kissed two guys and I love that Lucas responds by saying I kissed you twice. Like adorable. That is really fucking That is adorable. so cute. And like <laughs> Come on, Brooke. Shut up. <laughs> like she makes me so frustrated because like 
him saying that in that moment, like, is pretty clear. It's pretty clear that he wants her, yeah. He doesn't want to date anyone else. And that's... Honestly, I feel like that's what really frustrates me at the end of the episode when she reveals to him that she was like, I wanted you to fight for me. I wanted you to say that you'd rather be alone than be <laughs> than be with anyone else but me. And I'm just like, I feel like Lucas has made that pretty clear. I'm the guy for you, Brooke Davis? Yeah. In 302, he has done nothing. Currently, he has done nothing that would show Brooke he's not interested. And Lucas is like, how am I supposed to know that? Like, that she wanted me to fight for you. And she's like, you just are. He's not a mind and reader. And like, ex- her actions, <laughs> her actions don't match up. Exactly. That's all like, anybody who sees this relationship, it's all like, this is such a very unhealthy dynamic to represent. You, you should not expect your partner to read your minds and just know stuff. You have to communicate, okay? And you also can't tell someone to go date someone else. You know? Yeah. Like, well, she's I like, mean, go date someone else. And basically forcing it on him. I mean, unless you are ethically not monogamous and you want that for your partner, then like, by all means, do that. Yeah, but she's forcing it on him. And he clearly doesn't want to date anyone else. So that's <laughs> right, the, yeah. that's what I take issue with. It's fine if I'm not saying what what someone wants. If someone wants to date three people, great. But Lucas does not. He is interested in yeah. Brooke, and she's forcing him to go date someone like here, and literally points to someone specifically. Go date this uh-huh. person. Like what the <laughs> heck? Like that's wrong on so many levels. I'm sorry. I just don't. <laughs> I don't agree with that. People can do uh, what they want to do, but you can't force someone to do something. Yeah, or I mean, they could have an arrangement. They're, this is also a thing that some ethically non-monogamous people are. Like, Brooke is dating other people, and Lucas just chooses not to. Yeah. Like, you can have a relationship like that and make it healthy. But Brooke just seems to... It just seems like she's really trying to play games with Lucas. She really wants to, like, egg him on and see, like, ooh, like, does he want to see somebody else, as people other than me? And it's just a very, very unhealthy dynamic. She's pushing him away twice as much. And she wants him to push back double that amount and say, right. like, I love you, I love you, I choose you, I choose you, and just over and over again. But he has done that. I know. Like, he hasn't necessarily said, I love you or anything like that, but he has done that in various ways. He kept saying, like, are we exclusive yet? Like, he's been the the one the entire time pushing the exclusivity, and Brooke is just like, no, I'm going to keep playing games. Which, I get it, like, she went went through really bad trauma with, like, him and Peyton in the last school year. I get it. But I, I feel like Lucas has done enough to the point where it's very clear he wants her. I know. So, I'm very frustrated with, with Brooke in this episode. I'm sorry. Love her, but I am frustrated. Also, ethical non-monogamy tip here. You know, people can have their own rules or whatnot, but, you know, if you are going to, like, date multiple people and whatnot, make it, make it so, like, your partner doesn't date anybody you know, and vice versa. I'm just saying, like, Lucas probably shouldn't be dating somebody who's on the cheer yeah. squad that Brooke is a part of. It's like, you should have, like, some ground rules. Like, it shouldn't just be, like, a free-for-all. And those are some, those are things you have to communicate in an ethically non-monogamous setting. Because there's still so. boundaries. Like... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. 
Like, I'm pretty sure Lucas would not be allowed to date Peyton, for example. I'm pretty sure... I'm pretty sure she's off limits, and I feel like everybody on the chair squad, I feel like everybody in Tree Hill High should be off limits for either of them to date. I guess. I just feel like that's, like, a good ground rule to have, but whatever, they don't know. Yeah. But I hit a combat, it's a combat all this, to kick Rachel off of the team, uh, Brooke tries to get Haley to join the cheer squad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is a great, I have a quote from, from the scene. Oh, please, read it up. So, Brooke, this is when she's asking Haley to be on the cheer squad. She's like, why don't you do what you want for once? And Haley says, okay, I will. No, thanks. (laughs) And Brooke says, let me rephrase that. Why don't you just do what I want for once? (laughs) I love that scene. Like, that's an epic Brooke and Haley moment. (laughs) I love Brooke so much. Those two are just so good together. (laughs) There's so much comedy gold and more to come. I love it. Yeah, I love the moment when, like, uh, when Brooke lays the cheerleading uniform on Haley's bed, just leaves it, and leaves the room not saying anything to Haley, and then she just smacks Haley off the butt uh-huh. as she walks out. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. <laughs> I just thought that was adorable. Oh, uh, they're, they're too much, really. Yes. <laughs> but Haley does show up to the Midnight Madness game, and th- is this a game? This is just a pep rally, isn't it? I don't know sports. I think it's it's the first basketball game of the season, I think. Oh, I thought it was a pep or, rally. It, it's oh. a pep rally. Well, maybe it was supposed to be a game. I don't really know. <laughs> I guess it was just, why is it at midnight, first off? Is it actually at midnight, or, or are they just saying it's at midnight? I don't midnight? know. Let's... That's unclear. Like, is it like the new, like, midnight show at a movies? Because I gotta say, I, I love the midnight showings of theaters or, like, 7 p.m. the night before now. I, I'm a big fan of that nowadays. Yeah, yeah. That's a That's true. <laughs> yeah, the midnight release is at 7 p.m. <laughs> you used to have to wait in line, like, for hours to go to see, like, a really popular movie on the night of yes. its release. Now you choose your ticket and three weeks in advance maybe even more <laughs> yes. online you know exactly where you're gonna sit times have changed mm. <laughs> they really have <laughs> but anyway um Haley comes to comes to the gym and um brooke tries to kick off rachel and then like rachel's like oh no like if that's what everybody wants and then the rest of the cheerleaders like no no rachel is the best cheerleader we have and then they they essentially decide to keep both Haley and Rachel, much to Brooke's dismay. And then Rachel's like, just watching for the changes. Like it's that easy to change your routine and add a whole other person? This is wild to me, because this stuff is so coordinated. So coordinated. You can't just throw an extra person in there? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's not that easy. And Haley should have been like, okay, I'm out then. Forget this. Like, why didn't you just say that? So we get to the game. Um, and so- something we didn't really talk about is like Nathan is now the captain of the basketball team. And he's kind of being a dick to Lucas. Like at the one practice, he said uh, he just benches Lucas just because Lucas provided some constructive feedback. Well, in that way, Nathan is like Dan. He doesn't like to be told what to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he can be very, very stubborn. So like... Lucas could innocently have some kind of criticism and or suggestion 
And you know Nathan likes control of the team, I think. So not surprising at all. And then everything leads up and we're back to where we started and the fights break out. Yup. So don't push me, bitch. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So between Brooke and Rachel and all of this, like basically Rachel standing in front of Brooke during this routine. Yeah, completely blocking her. Like This is not good. I know. So, yeah, there was obvious tension there. And then there's the uh, there's more fat shame in there, too. Yep. Where she says, like, it's like, you don't scare me, Brooke. It's not like I'm a cookie or donuts. Like, ugh, just stop. Yeah, that was so, like, why did that have to be included? Ugh. And then we have the boys fighting, the girls fighting, everyone's fighting. Whitey says to Dan, damn your sperm. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta <Yes>. love that line. <laughs> right. And everything went to hell, basically. And the mascot gets involved and, <laughs> as well, which I didn't understand. Like, I laughed so hard when Peyton, like, literally kicked the mascot in the groin. Like, what? like how, did, <laughs> how did this happen? What happened there? I have so many questions, oh, but it made God. me crack up. <laughs> and you hear mouth, like, announce it, like, oh, the mascot gets it in the groin! <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but this results in Nathan and Lucas are now co-captains because Whitey scares them into it. Whitey's very scary in this scene. Yeah. I think it was a smart move, though, on his part. Yeah, trying to get the force the two of them to work together. And I just gotta say, I've said it a million times. I'm gonna say it a million times more. Do you want to complete my <laughs> sentence, Caitlin? <laughs> Give Barry Corbin more work. <laughs> Hell yes, take a shot, everyone. <laughs> Unless you're driving, don't do that. <laughs> and then uh, we, we also see Brooke confronts Rachel and Lucas in the, in the car. Rachel's in the back seat. Remind you of anyone? <laughs> like, naked. Um, and I, <laughs> I find it funny that later on, like, Brooke punches her in the face, and she says, don't ever hit me again. I'm like, Brooke, you slapped her first. I know. I thought the same thing, actually. I'm like, wait. Didn't Brooke slap Rachel? Yeah, I had to rewind just to double check. I'm like, yeah, you definitely hit her first. <laughs> oh my. And I'm sorry, like Brooke, like Brooke, like she created this chaos too. Like she's the one who said, like, Lucas date somebody else. Lucas date somebody else. And now, like, now look what's happening here. I know. And we know, like, this isn't what she wanted. It'd be a different story if, like, oh, she definitely did want him to date somebody else and it just didn't turn out the way she wanted it to. But it's very clear that she did not want Lucas to date anybody else. She was doing something that she didn't even want. Oh, to be inside Brooke's mind. Really. Exactly. Yeah, I'm annoyed with Brooke in this episode. I hate that I'm so annoyed with her. Yeah, she's definitely frustrating. And we're not going to talk about uh, Rachel being naked in the backseat? I mean, yeah, we can. What do you want to say? How this is a major callback to Brooke in season one <laughs> yes. in the back of Lucas's backseat? How in the world did Rachel know that? I guess she's just doing it coincidentally. Do you think she did or do you think she just... I don't think she did know about it. But it's such a coincidence. Here's how I read it, though. I, I'm reading this as, like, Rachel is so similar to Brooke. Like, you know, in this instance, like, I'm talking, like, season one Brooke, not season three Brooke. But, like, the two of them are so similar that they would have similar moves, 
in order to like seduce men. True. And I feel like this is this is their way of illustrating that these two characters are very similar. And that's why they're buttonheads. Because they're both strong women in a way. And I think it makes Brooke even more insecure to see that someone is similar to her. Yeah. Basically. Exactly. But please, Naked in the Backseat is so last year, it's like two years ago. <laughs> I love it. It's my favorite quote. I'm going to spoil it. Get, that's mine too. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite quote of the episode. And it's like, oh, get it, get it. Because season one took place, la- you know, that was their last school year, but it was two seasons ago. So it was two years ago. <laughs> get it? It's a joke. You get it. Whoever thought of that is very clever. And I love it. (laughs) It's epic. All right. Are we ready for this coda? Yes, I am. Do you want to kick us off? Sure. I don't know how to say the artist or the title. (laughs) I'm going to totally butcher it. It's it's okay. We will just, we'll just be honest. Yeah. We, I don't know how to pronounce the song or the, or the artist's name. Villa Rada by Nikola Sarzevic. Yeah, not really fam- not familiar with that artist at all. Um, but we start off in Lucas's car. Brooke walks away after punching Rachel. And then we are in Peyton's bedroom. Peyton removes Ellie's article from the wastebasket. It reads, It's tough to get to know Peyton. Like me, she tends to keep the world at arm's length. But no sleeting moments she has let me in. I've seen in her such indomitable courage and heart. A young woman anyone would be proud to call her daughter. That's so nice. Yes. And now we're in Karen's car. There is a flyer stuck under Karen's window wiper. Okay, so do you want to be Karen or Dan? Um, I can be Karen. Okay, okay. Dan's the man? So, you're running against me. Who'd have thought? 18 years after I picked Deb over you. What's your point, Dan? The point is you came in second place then. What makes you think it'd be any different now? He is so gross. Mm-hmm. But Dan smirks, Karen glares slightly, and walks to the door of her car. Dan walks away. He can't let it go. It's amazing how much he brings up the past. Like, <laughs> Karen could not be... She is so over him. Exactly. It's like, Dan, like, literally nobody is thinking about this right now. Like, just so fucking give up. That's too much. <laughs> but we are now at Ellie's place. Peyton knocks on the door and enters to find no one there. She picks up Ellie's breast cancer survivor bracelet from the nightstands. And then we go to Peyton's room. Do you want to, do you want to be Peyton and perform the traumatic read-in? And I'll read the stage directions. Sure. Okay. So Peyton is recording her podcast episode. Hi, guys. As you know, I recently met my birth mother. And I really didn't like her. Camera pans down to the taped together article and the bracelet, which Peyton picks up. As a matter of fact, I drove her away, and now she's gone. But the part that really sucks... Cut to Interior Tree Hill Hospital evening. Ellie is lying on a gurney, waiting to be scanned. She's terrified and sad. You know that thing about judging a book by its cover? It's true. The machine starts to move, and Ellie disappears into it. Sometimes you gotta read the whole thing, and even then, you still might not know the whole story. There's an iPod with speakers and a computer set up in the hospital so that Ellie can listen to music. The lights on the machine blink and flash. Did you uh, listen to the full Peyton's podcast for this episode? I did. 
Yeah, it's very interesting because it's basically this, but it's like a little bit more extended. And I feel like in the extended version, Peyton like really holds herself accountable uh, for being wrong about Ellie. Like now she knows that she has cancer and she even apologizes explicitly on the podcast. And it was just, it was very interesting. It was good, like supplemental material. Yeah, you can tell like she's full of some of regret. Mm-hmm. And she says she wants to let more people in. Which, yes, Peyton, do that, girl. Also, let a therapist in rather than record a fucking podcast. I know. (laughs) And one other thing I wanted to bring up about the Drama Queens podcast. They spoke about this episode and how the scene with Ellie getting the MRI, basically, in producing this scene, it would take like a whole day or half a day to tape something like that. It's such a, a short scene that you see Ellie, but like getting into the hospital and do actually doing it would take several hours to complete. And Hillary and Joy were talking about like, is it worth it to do scenes like that? And they basically agreed that even though it was such, even though it takes so much of time, it made that episode or that moment more powerful. Hmm. So wait a minute, like was it, this was shot in an actual hospital? Yeah, they had to go to a hospital to do that. Oh, wow. So, like, yeah. it takes a lot of energy and people to, like, film a scene like this, even though there's no dialogue. It's basically her just going into the MRI, and you don't get much from it, but without it, like, it wouldn't be as impactful of a moment, because you see, like, the terror in Ellie's eyes, and I just found I found it interesting that they brought it up, and they, they said, like... Sometimes in episodes, like, doing scenes like that that really have no dialogue and they're so quick, like, maybe it's not worth it to do it. But in this particular scene, it made the episode, the end of the episode, much more powerful because, like, Peyton doesn't know that Ellie is getting the MRI. We as audience members, you know, can infer what what's happening mm-hmm. and what's to come, you know. So we definitely know, you know, this uh, this cancer survivor bracelet that Ellie has, it's not just, like, a cosmetic, yeah. like, item that she wears for fashion, either. Like, this is very, very true. She has cancer, and she's getting an MRI for this yeah. right now. And it's really sad and heart-wrenching, and I think Peyton has a lot of regrets right now. And she doesn't even know that, you know? She doesn't even know that part, for sure. hmm And now we are outside Chris's apartment. Haley walks up the steps with her... With her guitar case, she knocks on the door. Chris opens it, and Haley smiles tightly. Chris smiles back. Get your guitar and wipe that stupid smile off your face. Chris laughs, and Haley walks into the apartment. Nathan stands on the street below. How he knew when to be there is a mystery, <laughs> and he watches them. <laughs> the door shuts. Nathan puts his earphones back on and jogs away. Even the scripts like calls that out. I know. <laughs> So I don't know if these are, like, the actual scripts. These are transcripts of the episode, so I don't know if they, like, took it from the actual, like, teleplays or anything, but <laughs> lines like that are really that is, funny. That is really funny. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about our top favorite moments. We both said our favorite quote. <laughs> what was your favorite musical moment? So I like the coda. Okay. I thought, you know, I had a tough time picking my musical moment because there was like so many fun ones too but i settled on the coda because i just thought it was overall there were some really powerful scenes at the end uh, specifically the ellie one really stands out to me and i feel like the song fit the mood 
and like made me made me feel things. So that's that's what I really liked. But there were some fun cheer ones, which I'm sure one of them is probably your favorite. <laughs> yes, uh, my favorite musical moment is TKO by Letty Gray. If I'm pronouncing that correctly, there's lots of things we don't know how to pronounce in this episode. <laughs> it seems like. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of like the opening cheer routine and the end cheer routine, which is the same scene. Um, it's just a fun number. T-K-O-O! I just love that. <laughs> I agree. It's super catchy. And it just fits, like, the mood. But it wasn't enough to save this episode for me. I give it three out of five hairy armpits. Oh, dang. You give it three. Yeah. Because, I mean, I liked it in many ways. And, of course, like, I can't unknow what I know about Rachel. Like, I'm very excited to see her. It was fun to see her on screen, even though she had a lot of problematic moments. And and I gotta say something, like, I hope people who are, like, watching this for the first time, they're not wondering, like, why did Jeremy and Caitlin love Rachel so much? She is terrible. Like, trust us, like, we know she's terrible. And we are gonna hold her accountable. Yeah. When we have to. Um... But Danielle Ackles is still very, very entertaining in this role, and I fucking love her. But yeah, it gets a three out of five because of a lot of the problematic moments just haven't aged well, personally. Yeah, I agree. We definitely touched on a lot of problematic stuff, which I don't won't really yes. repeat right now. But I still give it a four out of five <laughs> slaps in the face. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There was a lot of punching and slapping in this episode, so I feel like that <laughs> best suits it. Overall, it was enjoyable. I like... I have to say, I really like how the episode starts and how we get the two days earlier, and then we lead up to it. I like episodes like that. I think it worked really well for what happened in this episode, and I think overall it was written well. Obviously, there were lines that we didn't like that the writers wrote, but overall the structure of the episode I really enjoyed. Absolutely, yes. And there'll be many more slaps in the face to come. Yep. Yes, there will. <laughs> Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AlwaysOTHpod. You can also email us at AlwaysOTHpod at gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at RodriguezJeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at MissIReads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Tree Hill fans new and old find us. You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information. Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll We'll be be seeing seeing ya. Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers. So, in addition to Rachel, we get another big character in this episode. Kind of. Kind of big. (laughs) Gigi. My memories of Gigi, you're gonna have to help me out here, because my memories of Gigi (laughs) are, like, really, they've faded. There aren't many, for one thing. That's, that's the whole thing. Um, so, she's just sort of, in season three, she's kind of just a comic relief. 
we see her just have like you know fun little moments like this um she also is uh appears in at nathan haley's rehearsal dinner at the end of season three where she plays the role of haley and kisses nathan oh yeah you're right and she gets really excited it's really it's cute but then in season four she asks mouth mouth blah 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 she asks mouth out on a date and the two of them date for a hot minute but then she breaks up with him because she's a sophomore and he's a senior and she's not interested in a long distance relationship and then we don't see her again until the end of season four and we find out that she's the one who helps like put together a memorial page for jimmy edwards in the yearbook i don't remember that at all yeah that's another thing and then she signs mouth's yearbook and she says here's the someday love and someday she does come back in season six which is you know takes place like four or five years later after high school and she plays like a temptress while mouth is dating millicent oh yeah he was dating millie at that time okay mm-hmm. yeah you're right she's an intern at the tv station that mouth is working at mouth is her boss I remember that she was at the station in season six. I do recall that. I forgot that Mouth was dating Millie, though, and that she tempted him. They never kissed, though, did they? They did not. What ends up happening is uh, uh, Millie sends him a nude photo, and um, Millie ends up like taking Mouth's phone because she, she was going to dial pizza. She was looking for the number, and then she found the nude photo completely by accident. Oh, Gigi sent the nude photo? Yes. Oh, I think you said mm-hmm. Millie. Or, or at least oh. I heard Millie. Uh, so <laughs> My bad. I'm about to say Gigi G- if, if I did Gigi say it. sent the nude photo and then Millie yes. gets upset. Because Millie finds it on Mouth's phone and she's like, oh no. And then that's when she essentially breaks things off with Mouth and then she sleeps with Ellen. Oh yeah. You have a really good memory. <laughs> sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Oh gosh. Like, yeah, this is so, honestly, in the grand scheme of things, it's very insignificant in the Tree Hill universe. So that's why I don't really, like, I knew she came back later on, but I, I couldn't really remember the circumstances. Yeah, in season six, she's kind of like, uh, you know, right, right here, season three and four, she's kind of like the nerdy girl, you know, like whatever like completely inconsequential she's just like mouth but then when she comes back in season six she's like oh my god i'm the hot girl like i I think in her first like line she even tells mouth which kind of unprofessional because this is her boss that she's talking to she says like oh i went to college and i had a lot of sex i remember that i do (laughs) and it's just like don't say that to your boss girl um one that i do want to know though is like yeah and um between seasons four and season six like four or five years have passed like in the world of tree mm-hmm. hill but in real life not much time has actually passed so i want to know uh kelsey as bill is uh 14 at the time of season three by the time of season six she's like 17 and she's like playing like this little like sex kitten and i just gotta point out that that's weird yeah that is really weird and she's playing like her character is like 20 21 but the actress in real life is still 17 playing, you know, this hypersexualized role. That's wild. I don't think I knew at the time how young she was. Yeah, I did not I either. Really, like, put that together. I mean, we were also as old as she was, too, so I feel like we wouldn't have, like, clocked no. it as much. We'd be like, oh, she's just like us. Like, we don't really think about it as being a problem. No, not at all. Hmm. Well, I don't have much to contribute. <laughs> you just <laughs> narrated her whole story arc. 
I remember more than I thought I did, honestly. But, but yeah, after season six, we never see her again. Um, I feel like she could have been, like, a character that could have lasted a little bit longer, but they don't really do much with her, I feel like. And I don't know why that is. Well, maybe because she was a kid actor and, like, you only have a limited time, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, could have. Yeah, honestly, it could have just all been due to politics. Because they couldn't work her, like, more than eight hours a day because she was a minor, you know? Yeah. Which is, that's often why they cast older people in quote-unquote teen roles, because you can, you can work your, their asses off, essentially. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. But this, you know, this whole entire thing with Gigi, though, is pretty explosive in season six, you know, just like uh, Hand Grenade is explosive, and, you know, and this is what causes Million Mouse hearts to be locked. <gasps> um, so, it's like a combination of uh, locked hearts and hand grenades. Oh my god. <laughs> Not your best work, but... Okay. <laughs> that was the greatest transition I could come up with in the moment, Caitlin. Yeah. I am sorry. <laughs> Anyway, next time we're talking about Season 3, Episode 6, The Locked Hearts and Hand Grenades. And taken from our OTH DVD box sets, the description reads, Pick a guy and he's yours. Brooke's fantasy boy draft sparks trading and scheming for the right to date Nathan Lucas Skills, even mouth. Dan must deal, unfairly of course, with a surprise mayoral opponent. We'll be we'll seeing be ya. We almost got that. Mm -hmm. Good job. <laughs>